0: We're now going to read from a couple of passages from the Gospel according to Matthew. So we we'll turn first to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. We read. Here in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, which the Catechism is also busy explaining at Lord's Day 51, notice uh, at the end of our reading, we're going to read verses 9 to 15. Notice what the Lord adds also after the Lord's Prayer here. This is the word of the Lord. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So far. and We turn ahead now to Matthew chapter 18. We read in Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. We'll start from verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore... The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made." The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all and he would not but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, The sermon this afternoon comes from God's word as it's summarized in Lord's Day 51. We'll read that Lord's Day now. What is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is, for the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of our transgressions, nor the evil which still clings to us. As we also find this evidence of your grace in us, that we are fully determined, wholeheartedly, to forgive our neighbor. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ. My question for you this afternoon is this How is it possible that a Christian can be unwilling to forgive? To put the question another way, how can a a Christian hold on to the sin or the wrongdoing that someone else has done? We might say, well, the thing that was done was really very bad, you have to understand. And of course, that is probably true. Sin is very, very dark in this world, and forgiveness cannot always come quickly and easily. But what does it mean to be a Christian? Isn't it true that a Christian is just the kind of person who has received forgiveness for the biggest weight of sin and the darkest mess of sin? A Christian does not just have forgiveness for sins against other humans. A Christian is someone who has been forgiven for sinning against God, the Lord of heaven and earth. And that kind of sin is the worst of all crimes. In this life, the worst criminal may receive multiple death sentences from a judge. We detest the wickedness that we see there. That's in this life. But in the next life, sin against the Lord deserves not many death sentences, but an eternal death sentence. That eternal death sentence is so great, it stretches on and on because sin against the Lord is an immeasurable, unexplainable, terrible wickedness. And you, Christian men, Christian women, boys and girls, you have been totally forgiven for exactly that kind of sin. The Lord has forgiven you. And taken that crushing boulder of sin off of your shoulders. And now can you refuse to lift the far smaller pebble of sin off of your neighbor's shoulders? Can you refuse also to do that? We should be willing to forgive the lesser sins against ourselves because we live every day with the forgiveness of the enormous sin we have committed against God's infinite majesty. This afternoon, I preach to you the Word of God with this theme, the Lord Jesus teaches wretched sinners to pray for forgiveness. And we'll see first our need for forgiveness, and second, our obligation to forgive Our first point then, our need for forgiveness. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray for forgiveness. He knew they were sinners. He knew they needed this prayer. So Christ taught them to pray in Matthew 6 verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the fifth petition that Christ taught his disciples. Forgive us our debts. The first thing to note about this petition is who should pray it. Who should pray for forgiveness? We can see who the prayer is for by taking a look at the context. Do you remember how this prayer began? It began with our Father in heaven. Our Father. Only God's people can truly call on God as Father. Not the world, not those who reject and spurn God. Only God's people can pray our Father in heaven. This is a prayer for believers. It's a prayer for Christians who have been forgiven by the King. We're like that servant in the parable of Matthew 18. Think about the beginning of that parable. The servant had a huge debt to pay. He was in deep trouble and the master saw this servant was needy and fearful and trembling. He knew that the servant and his wife and children would suffer, and they would suffer greatly if they had to pay this debt. And verse 27 of Matthew 18 says, The master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt that's us, that's us too. Our Father and our Master has taken pity on us. He's seen our impossible debt. He's announced the good news of our forgiveness to us. Christ has paid our debts and we now stand forgiven and we are reconciled back to our Father. The point is that this prayer is for Christians who have their debt cancelled and are forgiven. That's who we are, forgiven Christians, before we even open our mouths to pray this prayer. But, hold on a second, if, if I am forgiven, why should I go back and ask for forgiveness again? Does that mean I'm distrusting God's message that I'm already forgiven if I have to pray for forgiveness again? There are people who would say so. They would say, we believers don't need this prayer. It doesn't fit in the life of a Christian. We're justified. There's nothing left to forgive. That's how they would argue, but that's a mistake in response In response to that mistake, we have to say two things. First, God knows that we, by grace, stand completely righteous, without any debt of sin, no guilt to pay for. Our record of sin is nailed to the cross, and God knows it. Because of Christ, we are washed clean in His sight. But, second, we also know that sin... And evil still clings to us. Guilt still comes into our hearts and our minds, and sin can get a tight grip on our lives. So, what do we do with these two things to bring them together? We want to say even though God reveals from heaven that we are truly righteous, yet we are also pilgrims, weighed down and infected with our own sin and guilt, therefore we need this prayer still today, we need this prayer for forgiveness. As we travel along the way, as we run the race of faith, our sin continues to rear its head to degrade our lives, we know and we feel this is wrong, sin hangs around us like the bad smell around the garbage truck, it doesn't go away. And when we sense that, and when we know that, when that awareness comes into our minds of our sin, then we have to daily turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, turn to our Father in heaven, and seek his forgiveness. And when we call on the Lord for forgiveness of our sins, we're asking that the Lord would wash away all our remaining guilt, our fear of condemnation, We're asking that he would remind us that that precious blood of Christ covers all of our sins. We need this prayer because sin is still so clearly in us and oozes out of us. We're forgiven, but we must continue praying for forgiveness. Because sin's pollution still dwells in us and wars against us. If we take a step back, we see that the Lord has been right to impute sin and guilt to us, even to the whole human race. Ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, we have to recognize that the Lord sees sin and He knows what each of us have done. He connects the sin to the sinner. He imputes the debt to the debtor. It's like a letter in the mail that tells you there's an overdue debt. You owe a massive number with too many zeros to count. We're all born with this kind of debt. We're born like that servant with a 10,000 talent debt that we owe to the master of the kingdom. This is the kind of burden that makes people nervous and lose sleep. I'm not saying this is a big debt even. I'm saying that it is is an impossible debt to pay back. We are servants of our Master and King in heaven, servants who cannot pay back what we owe. In verse 25 of Matthew 18, we read that the servant was not able to pay, it could not be done. Sin brings an unbearable and impossible debt. We can't make the payment ourselves, and in reality, daily, we increase our debt. That's why Lord's Day 51 rightly calls us wretched sinners. We are wretched in a terrible condition because there's nothing in the world that we could do to make that repayment. When we pray for forgiveness... We're praying a a big prayer that the Lord would sweep away this uncountable, impossible debt. Lord, in your mercy, don't charge me with my sin. Please don't impute my sin to me. So when sin makes itself known in its awful way, when it presses down on us, like that 10,000-talent debt, the Lord Jesus gives us the prayer to pray. The way the Lord Jesus put this prayer is, forgive us our debts. We bring our burden of sin to God. We pray for forgiveness. This is basically what the servant was asking his master in the parable of Matthew 18 He had a great burden and a great debt to pay. One commentator calculates that this debt would keep him in prison for at least a thousand years. And the servant fell on his knees. He begged the master not to follow through with the punishment and imprisonment. He asks for forgiveness. This is a request for pardon. If you Show up in classroom 25 minutes late for the class and you say, please excuse me for being late. You're asking for the teacher to pardon you, to let it go, not bring it up again. So there's no consequence. We can think about forgiveness like asking for pardon. We can say the same thing with the words of Lord's Day 51. Do not impute. Do not hold me accountable for it. Don't attribute, don't ascribe, don't connect my sin with me. Usually we impute something to a to a person. I impute the ripped open bags of flour and sugar to my two-year-old boy. I connect the thing that happened with the person. I impute the action to him. Maybe if you have... Teenagers, they don't get into the flour, but into the chocolate and finish all of that. And then you would impute the action and the guilt of the action to the person. And since the Lord is a just judge and does not clear the guilty, there is only one way we can expect Him to pardon our sins. Our sins can be forgiven only through the Lord Jesus Christ, who took the punishment for our guilt in our place. That's why Lord's Day 51 says that we ask for forgiveness, quote, for the sake of Christ's blood. The only way our debt can be paid is through the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. According to the plan of the triune God, the Father is the Master who forgives us and the Son, Jesus Christ, pays off all our debt with His blood and the Spirit enlightens our minds and makes us know and trust this gospel. And there's no other way. That's the only way way that eternal forgiveness comes. You can't buy forgiveness with a loan. You cannot earn it with hard work. You can't earn forgiveness with a few extra prayers or with a holier lifestyle. There is one way, and Jesus Christ is that way by which our sins are forgiven. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ then, because of His blood, You can pray this prayer confidently. In love, Christ freed us by his blood. It was an act of the Savior's love for his people. That's why Revelation 5 or chapter 1, sorry, verse 1 of chapter 5 says, Christ is him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. That blood of the Son of God can and does cover every single sin of God's people. So because of Christ's blood, we can pray this prayer. Brothers and sisters, we know that this forgiveness is something each one of us needs because Scripture says we are all sinners. I am and you are. So what do you do with your sin and your guilt? Do you bury it one way or another? Do you ignore it? Ignore your sin and push it away. Don't do that. And instead, pray. Pray with trust in God that his blood is, or Christ's blood is abundantly sufficient to cover all of your sins. Pray for forgiveness because Christ's blood is enough to cover your most sinful week. It's enough to cover every past and present and future sin for those who come to Him repenting and seeking forgiveness. Don't wait. Don't Hesitate or wonder whether you should go to God in prayer seeking forgiveness. Even when your heart may be longing for more of that sin, don't wait. Pray. Ask for forgiveness. Talk to your Father in heaven. Ask Him for forgiveness and for new desires and for an upright heart. And when you finish praying for forgiveness, you open your eyes again, you can leave that prayer behind, trusting that you are forgiven. When we ask for forgiveness, the Lord forgives. You walk away guilt free. And if you've repented, if you have turned away from that sin, it's not a false security, it's not an empty word of pardon. You are forgiven forever. There is no more payment required. Scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. That is the awesome privilege of being a child of the king. His servants can live with a clean conscience without the burden of a sin debt to God, we know in the most important things in our relationship to the Lord, it's all good. By Christ's blood, the problem is fixed. And we can take confidence in His blood, looking to the cross of Christ, looking to that Savior who died, 2,000 years ago, we can take confidence that our prayers are heard. We can say amen. We can walk away from our prayers with peace, without guilt. It's a great blessing that we can live as forgiven sinners. Every day we can hold a clean conscience. Maybe you've heard this saying, forgiven sinners forgive sin, The gift of forgiveness that we receive from God, the gift that makes us forgiven sinners, helps us also forgive sin. In our second point, we'll see our obligation to forgive. When the Lord Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for forgiveness, he says in Matthew 6, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. We ask God to forgive us, just as He's made us a forgiving people. There's a connection between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of other people. Just as we forgive, we ask God to forgive. And please note that the text does not say, because we forgive, we ask the Lord to forgive us. Our forgiveness is not any kind of work that gets God's favor. God's favor and forgiveness come first. God does all the work. He he forgives us, and then he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we become a people also who forgive. And we pray, just as your spirit is surely working forgiveness In our hearts, please also graciously forgive our sin as well. It's true that our forgiveness is imperfect. Our forgiveness can be mixed with false motives. Our forgiveness can be incomplete. But God's forgiveness is free. It is generous. It is whole and complete. So we're not praying for God's forgiveness to be like ours, to be a forgiveness of the same quality as ours. We're simply asking for God to do for us what He is already doing in us, working forgiveness. The connection between our forgiveness and God's is a reminder that we must be ready to forgive even as the Lord forgives. In some situations, this is terribly hard. It takes time. It is a struggle. And yet the Lord never drops the bar or the standard. He calls every sinner to be holy, even as he is holy. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 16, It is written, Be holy, for I am Holy. And that holiness includes the call to genuinely forgive others. This holy Christian way of forgiveness only works if there are other people who actually need your forgiveness. The Lord Jesus knows that. In fact, there are such people. They exist. He knows we have debtors as well as debts. We all have debtors, people who have sinned against us. For most of us, that is not money that people owe us, as it was in the case of Matthew 18 and the servant there. The servant owed that master a a massive amount of money, and other people owed the servant money as well. What do people owe you? How have they sinned against you? In this fallen world, we sin and we are sinned against. That is the sad reality of the fall. Scripture doesn't hide the fact that not only us, but all the people around us, even those closest to us, are sinful. Scripture says in Romans chapter 3 that no one does good, not even one. The human heart is corrupt. Words come out like daggers and people serve themselves rather than God and their neighbor. We find sin not only in our hearts, but also in our marriages between parents and children, between one church member and another. Sin is there and it hangs around. It spoils the meal. It infects the relationships. If it's there, it's there and it's at times unavoidable. That means you have debtors. They may have a debt of money, a debt of slander, a debt of maltreatment. And for every debtor, you may have a chance to forgive. The Lord knows that each one of us have debtors. And he adds this. He says that believers forgive their debtors. This is not an easy road to walk. When God's children are called to forgive, they may really feel the cross they bear as they follow Christ. But forgiveness is the way that followers of Christ act. Our hearts can be tested, vexed, crushed, with sin after sin, and it is only the Holy Spirit that can make us willing and glad to forgive and forgive again. We live with a readiness to forgive those who have sinned against us. That's how the Lord Jesus began the parable of Matthew 18. He told Peter not to forgive only seven, but even 70 times seven, That is a call from the Lord Jesus to forgive and to keep on forgiving. And to fulfill that call, we will need the Holy Spirit to help us keep on in forgiveness. Christians can even joyfully forgive debts here on earth because they know their own debts in heaven wiped out. By the grace of God, we may find joy in forgiving others, even as God has forgiven us. This kind of forgiveness that the Lord Jesus speaks of is more than saying the words. It is a forgiveness that comes from the heart. The Lord Jesus ends his parable with this thought. He warns his disciples in Matthew 18, verse 35. He says, you will face God's wrath if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Forgiveness happens with mouth and heart. Lord's Day 51 describes this forgiving heart when it says that we are fully determined, wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbor. Real forgiveness happens on the inside and on the outside. A forgiving heart is like a boat owner who unties his boat from the dock. He lets it drift out into the ocean, over the horizon until it's gone. Perhaps he remembers that boat. Perhaps it costs him a lot to let it drift away. But after a while, it's no longer part of his life, it no longer nags and tugs on his heart. And no doubt, this can be a difficult thing to do. It may take much trouble and time and tears, and this is something we must pray for God to grant us. We can ask the Lord by His Spirit to remove the anger and the resentment, the bitterness and the pain that seem to stick with us. We can ask for peace and contentment to fill us instead, so that we may be ready to forgive from the heart. So, brothers and sisters, I ask you now, how well do you know the gospel of your forgiveness? How well do you know your sin and misery and then God's mercy toward your sin and misery? And to take it a step further, do you know the gospel of your forgiveness so well that you can bring it into your own life and your relationships when forgiveness is needed? You will have conversations in your family or with friends co-workers, and when you are discussing someone's sin, is God's forgiveness of your sin going to enter that picture and that conversation? Or will you allow the discussion to center on who is at fault and how bad the fault is and what the payment should be? Whenever we consider the sins of one human against another, it's important to keep it in the context of our greater sin against God. The depth of our sin and misery is like the weight of 10,000 talents. That's not a speeding ticket, it is a giant debt that we cannot pay in a thousand years. Just think how grievous, how heinous it is to sin against God. And think how high and lofty and glorious the Lord our God is. If you can imagine the great and infinite gap between our sin and God's infinite majesty. Then you can see just how far God had to travel to pay for that sin. To lift us out of that Pit of sin, you see the depth of sin, you see the majesty of God, that is a massive gap. And the Lord bridged the gap through Jesus Christ. And praise God that He has done it, He has cancelled our debt because of Christ. God's forgiveness reunites a wretched human race with an infinitely holy God. And if God's forgiveness is that great and marvelous, what sort of forgiveness then should we have in our own lives? We are God's children who have a gracious and forgiving Father in heaven. And we may find joy By the power of God's Spirit, we may find joy in extending the same forgiveness to others. These are things for us to bring before the Lord in prayer. We go to the Lord and pray for forgiveness when our own sin flares up again. And when other people's sin hits us, we pray that we too may forgive them wholeheartedly, 70 times 7 Amen.